This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with the lovely Sarah Kumar. Sarah, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. So this is actually the second time we've actually tried to get this going. Uh, we had some technical difficulties that hopefully we won't be having moving forward. If you're new to Eat to Perform, this is a way for you to kind of get some general understanding of what we do and how we do it and what we typically do is we'll we'll post this to our private groups to our lifetime members and then they you know will ask for a review and they of course understand that you know this is going to be seen by 1.5 million people um and <laughs> um we kind of go from there so um until Did you post this in the main group yet Paul? Have I? Yes. In the main group? Are it's you live in the main group? I'm live on the main page, yes. Okay. So the main emphasis that I want to talk about today is why fat loss stages stall and some things that have to be considered that are relatively simple that most people don't consider. And I think that um, that's going to be an interesting topic and we'll get into that once we get through some of the basic more catching up stuff that Sarah and I like to do. If you're not familiar with Eat to Perform and you don't know us, you know, you might be like, hey, who are these people and why are they on our computer? But we have roughly 5,000 members that actually listen to these podcasts pretty religiously and so we tend to go over kind of some, some basic stuff. Um, in our world. And so Sarah was just telling me that <laughs> she got invited. And this is actually one of the most popular podcasts we've ever done was Sarah oh, buying a car. Right. And yeah, so uh, her friend Brianna asked her if uh, she would. Bianca. Bianca. There we go. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Asked if she would come and buy a car with her. And I did not say this to Sarah, but I'll say it to you guys. That would be like asking like the most alcoholic friend you have to keep, <laughs> to keep an eye on your wine cellar. Right? Um, Cause that's not even accurate. It's really accurate. I mean, how long, how long did it take you to, to buy your most recent car? It was like, what, three seconds? He's like, here's the car I would like for you. And you were like, oh. But the car's actually worked out, right? I mean, this has been a few months. You're still, yes. still rocking the dark? Still rocking the dark, yes. How often yes. do you listen? But I did tell her, just so you know, I did let Bianca know that it, who she said, call in sick today for the webinar because I need you. I said, listen, don't worry. Just text me any questions and I'll ask Paul while we're on the webinar. No. the um, I, I'm, I'm out of the helping people from faux Chicago. That scarred you for life. Yeah. I, I just... Oh, just stop. The... You know how it goes. People from Chicago. So what's it like now that the Cubs actually have won a World Series and then it's like opening day and stuff like that? It must just be obscene, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not really in all of that because I'm I don't go to a lot of the games and that kind of stuff. And now it's just ridiculous, right? Yeah, I mean, like that kind of stuff. I love it when people ask me my opinion on things like you know Donald Trump or or this and that. I'm like, well, why does he need his macros changed? <laughs> Yeah. Other than that, right. exactly. yeah. that's my point, right? Other than Our that, world is so small. Absolutely. Other than that, I don't see where it's just macros and cars. So, um, <laughs> have you seen the new Dave Chappelle um, things on Netflix? I have not. I ended up watching those two. Um, they were good. You know, I really liked it. It was nice to to you know kind of see dave Chappelle on the on the faux tv um but uh well what was it what was good about it well just the way that he you know his comedy is uh -huh. is storytelling and you know i've been watching a few from jared carmichael recently who's also really good um because you're working on your stand-up comedy game is that why like, I just feel like it'll make for a better podcast if uh, if if we know that information. But um, but there's you know I'm not gonna really say the word. I'm not gonna really entertain it. But there's two ideas within comedy that you always you know that you never talk about. Um, suicide's one, and then the other one keeps coming up in these comedy things, and and you know it's in relationship to Bill Cosby and all this other stuff, right? Right. And I just, I mean, I get the challenge. Like, if you're the best of the best and there's always been, like, this thought process that you can't talk about this stuff, you know, it's almost like a challenge to these guys. And it's yeah. like, I don't like it. You know, like, it makes yeah. me feel uncomfortable. Um and I think that there are topics within comedy that are not funny, you know. Right. Um, and you can't make funny. And talking about them, I mean, at least in Dave Chappelle's, I have to say, like in Jared Carmichael's thing, he kind of went about it in a sideways way. Mm -hmm. um, and he wasn't, you know, really trying to get laughs from it. Actually, what's weird about Jared Carmichael's comedy is that there's whole parts of it where you're not even supposed to laugh. Like it's he's not even trying to be funny. Um, wow. But um, it's very conversational, you know. Uh -huh. um, and I wouldn't even I would even argue that it's it's not funny, you know, um, a lot yeah. of the time. But but it is an interesting take on comedy, you know. And comedians love Jared Car Carmichael, you know, because. Um, he's just doing something that nobody's even tried, you know, hmm. Dave Chappelle, um, you know, his conversational type, you know, a lot of people remember him for the Dave Chappelle show, um, right. which was skits and funny and, and stuff like that. And there was a little bit of that within the comedy stuff, but his comedy has always been very conversational. I even remember, you know, many, many years ago where he was, um, you know, doing, street comedy um and, and stuff like that and he was kind of the next big up-and-coming thing and uh i mean he was just he was just really funny um my wife does not like men comedians typically 
You know, really? No. Well, and she doesn't like Amy Schumer. You know, um, kind no, of for the. I, I I'm undecided on Amy Schumer. I mean. I think I think Amy Schumer is hilarious, but but Amy Schumer has the same kind of thing going that a lot of these male comedians right. have going, where they're they're you know to to get a presence in social media, you have to be controversial, you know, right. and you have to talk about things or say things that people wouldn't want to say, and you know. Frankly, like, like I think I actually talked about this on one of the podcasts recently, but um, Bill Burr, you know, he he goes off on fatties, right? And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, wow, dude. I mean, I really like most of what you do. Actually, it's, what's funny about Bill Burr's podcast, um, when his wife is on the podcast, that's the best version of his podcast, you know. That's awesome. They just recently had a baby. She's very, uh, you know, um, she has this way of taming him that <laughs> is actually quite charming, and she actually ends up being a little bit more of a star than than he does in on those podcasts. Um, but I I like him more with his wife, you know. Yeah. He uses the c word a lot, you know. Um, oh. He's yeah. he, he 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 has I would argue that he has an eating disorder, right? Because um he obsessively talks about food and oh. and he does not understand that there are a lot of people that are not cramming ho hos down their gullet, you know, that are struggling right. with weight issues, you know. Doesn't mean right. that they might not have, you know, overeaten at some point, but you know, metabolism is a tricky thing. And so calling someone fatties, you know, I mean, it's insensitive for a reason, you know, right. um, and it just makes you a jerk, you know? Right. And I mean, I get it, you know, he's trying to be a jerk. Right. Um, and then there's a certain segment of like, lighten up, buddy. It's like, okay, well I, I can get the whole lighten up thing, but, but at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But that gets annoying. We've all been in that situation, right? It's Where just, somebody says something and you're like, wait, Oh, that's just like hit you the wrong way. Yeah. It's just and all, somebody's like, Oh, just, just a joke. It's, you know, don't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny because he was talking on his most recent podcast about how he was struggling and, you know, he's trying to drink water after six and it just keeps, derailing him and it's sort of funny because it's the opposite of all the things that we talk about with each form all the myths that people you know have um yeah you know kind of bought into that you know i mean the the whole um don't eat anything after six o'clock and drink water you know that that all started from bob green and oprah you know, or at least those were the two that made it popular i think fairly clearly the evidence on that is you know that was right. not the way to go, you know? Right. And I mean, if like in his instance, he was openly talking about the fact that he just can't do it. It, you know, a plan is not a good plan if you cannot do it, you know? Exactly. And yeah. I think that too many people get caught up into those different parameters without respect to, you know, moving and exercise and, and, you know, he, he actually does exercise. He has, you know, exercise as a priority in his life. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just very clear that he struggles with the food piece. Yeah. So 
I wanted to talk a little bit about fat loss and stress because, and it sort of relates to this situation a little bit, but um, what happens for a lot of people, you know, we talk about this a lot, um, and we often talk about how exercise is stress that your body's trying to adapt to so you can get better. And then dieting is stress so your body can potentially use fat as fuel and, you know, release some fat. Right. Um, but the question is, and then sometimes stress can go too far. So is there a way to measure stress so you can know whether or not you're pushing it too far? And actually, there is a way. And it's right. called heart rate variability. And basically, when you look at the the beats within your heart rate, right? And if you're on Facebook, you can kind of see me, you know, which doesn't really podcast very well. But my finger's <laughs> kind of going up and down. And what you want is like consistent beats. And right. when the variability within those beats... Um, is extended or irregular or you know all these different types of things um, it is a sign of stress and trying to um, you know calculate that makes a lot of sense but there's two things that when you're looking at your heart rate variability um, if you don't have a heart rate variability device you know they tend to be kind of expensive um, and Pretty much within, like, I would say, what, two, three weeks, you sort of figure out the secret to heart rate variability. Um, mm -hmm. Secret to heart var rate variability is simple. Get adequate sleep and resting heart rate. Right. Those are the two things that matter the most as it relates to heart rate variability. So... You can do the standard runner thing, you know, where they'll test their pulse in the morning. Um, and if your resting heart rate, you know, when you first wake up is kind of in a healthy range. So what is a healthy range? Like mine, um, let me just take a look on my Fitbit. So it's 59 right now. Usually in the morning, it's anywhere between the high 40s and the low 50s. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, sleep as long as, I don't know, man, I, I've been kind of sleeping, you know, up to nine hours lately. Um, but as long as seven hours is, is good and your heart rate is good, usually that's going to be favorable for your heart rate variability. So right. then you go, okay, well, how am I using that? Well, one, um, if those two factors are good, and you are not losing weight, right? Then typically you're going to want to reduce your calories, right? right? So then you go, well, okay, but when does it become a problem? Well, when those two numbers start to become an issue, you know? Right. And so... Like mine was up to 67 yeah. when I dropped out of my fat loss. <laughs> yeah. And and so, um, I mean, how are things been going since you moved back to performance? Good. Real good. So on average, I think it's 61. Yeah. And that's like in a matter of a week of getting back to normalization. Yeah. So 
just so everybody knows, you know, everybody thinks about maintenance schedules. Um, you know, maintenance is probably more popular. We don't call it maintenance. We call it performance. And performance is basically muscle gain and fat loss at the same time. You know, can you lose weight? Sure. Are you going to lose acute weight? You know, no. You know, and when you're an e perform member, we have both a weight goal and a time frame. And you go, well, that sounds vaguely familiar. Um, <laughs> right? Because like, like um, what happens with most weight loss systems, which isn't what we are, we're a fat loss system. Um, but what happens with most weight loss system is they say, what's your goal weight? And you say, oh my God, this is awesome. They can tell me what my goal weight is. My goal weight is 40 pounds lower than I am right now. And right. And, and I mean, like if someone said that to me, I would say, oh my God, please don't do that. You know, right. You're going to crush well, we had people say that, yeah. you know, we've had like, that's like that used, that's kind of like our, our nightmare when somebody's like, okay, so these are my goals. And it's to be 25 pounds less in three weeks. Which, by the you way, know. yeah, right, yeah. And we we're like, yeah, we can't help you. You know, um, the um, because, the, the you know, those quick fixes, you know, leave everybody more confused. And so what we're trying to do is get you, obviously, we're taking into account stress. So what we're trying to get you is some basic understanding of how you can keep your stress levels relatively low as we're sort of moving things. And so we set a goal for you. We don't ask you what your goal is. And then you go, so, so, well, but what if I do have a goal that is 25 pounds and you set me for a goal and it's 10 pounds? Well, we would just basically rinse and repeat that until we got you to where you want to go. But the problem is, is that people want to lose 25 pounds in 30 days and, yeah. and then they, they just kind of diet yeah. their way to obesity, right? What we do is we walk you through these phases. You know, no one, you know, I'd say probably 97% of the people that start Eat to Perform come in with the goal of fat loss. And right. then, you know, it ends up being kind of this train wreck because, mm -hmm. um, you know, well, that's not completely true. So let me let me give you an example. We start everybody with a baseline plan. And what blows people away is that they can come in with the baseline plan, which is a lot of the times 500 to 700 calories higher than they were oh, and, yeah. lo and yeah, lose no. weight. I mean, that's that's yeah. the good majority of the situation. Yeah. On every welcome call, every story is like that. Yeah. I can't believe I'm losing weight eating more food. Yeah. And then, you know, um, you have the other folks that are sort of fearful of actually doing the plan, right? So they come in and, I mean, part of the idea of buying coaching is to get the advice of someone that knows more than you do. Right. So if you just come in and you let your fears take hold of you. Right. And you don't move towards the plan, then right. you will struggle. So a lot of the time. You can stall your progress. It's all your struggle progress. means stall your own progress. Yeah. And so so a lot of the time, you know, we will try to meet those people where they're at. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, until we can kind of get them to mentally be in the right place, you know, it ends up being a bigger struggle for them, you know. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, I do sort of wonder, like, what happens to those folks? Well, now with the app, I know what happens. They end up coming back, you know. They end up they end up leaving because they didn't get what they want. And a lot of times we say this often sometimes what you want isn't what you need. And so once they don't get what they want, they leave, they go and do four other whole 30s, still get stuck, do a detox, do a flush, then come back to eat the form and go, okay, I'm finally convinced what you said is true. Um, and, And truthfully, there's a lot of damage being done in those scenarios that need to be fixed and sometimes take longer than people would like, you know? Um, and doesn't mean that you can't seek out a goal or, or anything like that, but, um, you know, those are things to keep in mind. So we haven't really had, um, uh, we haven't really had a lot of people requesting reviews, but we're having a pretty good discussion. Tanya saying, thank you for calling maintenance performance. My body composition has changed a lot in the last year. My body mass has shrunk, but my weight has not changed. My coaches tell me not to get discouraged. I, I not to get discouraged. I need to stop fixating on the number. One of the things about performance that I think, and we see this a lot because you know we live in this weird world where, and I don't know that it's a weird world because I think that there's probably a lot of people that you know deal with these types of scenarios where you have like a five six female who's 129 pounds and she comes in looking for fat loss. I would argue that that person actually, you know, we often change those people to performance right off the bat because their version of fat loss is actually holding on to lean mass and potentially building more lean mass in the process. And in that, in, in that exchange, you're essentially, um, you know, trading lean mass for fat. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, how you go from 21% to 17%, let's say, as an example for a female. So Jessica's saying, you can review mine if you like. Um, she thinks that she's up for review. Um, for those that don't know, when you're an e form member, um, e form coaches go in and review your file um, every two weeks. And so she's actually due on Monday, but she's saying we could take a look now which I think will be awesome. Only problem is I just spelled her name wrong, I think. I spelled it, I spelled it Jessica Keeley um, and not uh, Kelly. Right. Give me just a second here. All right. So she is currently on a performance phase. And um A lot of the time, so let me give you guys an example of how we set goals on a performance phase. So let's say that the example is 154 pound female. Um, this This is what I was referring to earlier when we were talking about goal weight as opposed to weight goal, right? Whether your performance, muscle gain, or fat loss everybody gets a goal weight that way that they have a compass to work towards that is set by a need to form coach 
Because when you say my weight goal is 40 pounds, that's actually not a goal weight. That's a wish. You wish right. you weighed 40 pounds less. You know? right. And so we try to manage your expectations. Like I said, you know, you might have 40 pounds to lose, but what's it based on? Is it based on the amount of muscle that you have on your frame? Are you body fat testing regularly? All these different types of things. So if we had a 154-pound female, we might set her goal weight in a performance, which formerly known as maintenance phase, at 147. So then they have that compass. We had a great example come up um, on a call where the compass was slightly lower than where she was at. And she asked me why I said it that way. I said, well, let me give you an example. Let's say that you're sort of struggling and your weight is maybe a little bit higher. You know, you've had a birthday moment and an anniversary and all these things come up. And your friend calls up and says, hey, you know, you want to get together for some margaritas and nachos? And she goes, well, you know, my weight compass is 147 my weight is normally 154 but right now it's 155 156 you know mm -hmm. i might just want to go for a walk with you rather than go nachos yeah. you know not just piling on that's where i think a compass helps right and so if you didn't have a compass if you didn't have the understanding that performance you should still be working towards a goal it's like, woohoo, nachos and margaritas. Right. And then now you've dug a hole bigger than you can really come out of. And that's that's the right. point, basically. Now it's nacho plan. Yeah. How do you like that? Oh my god. <laughs> that is so horrible. That's like that's like the the tissue joke that I told you earlier. Oh my gosh, don't. I'm gonna do it. Don't. You know what? Don't. But, For somebody who can't handle poop talk, like, I would rather have poop talk than booger talk, okay? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All you right. guys all hear that pause, that moment of silence? Okay, so oh. Jessica um, is actually doing real well. Okay, so now here's an example. This is a great example using nachos and margaritas, right? So the weight that she was at um, compared to the weight that she is now, she's actually below weight and working towards that, you know, um, goal weight for her performance phase. Right? right. So she's got, she's kind of living in the middle of where she was and where she's looking to go. So now if her friend called her up and said, Hey, want to go out for nachos and margaritas? very possibly an option here, right? Because yeah. she's already working towards that goal. And just so everybody knows, the calories that we're talking about are like 2,300 calories for a female. So yeah. eat to perform, you know, it's, it, it blows people away when they hear that we have 124 pound females eating 3,500 calories. Right. Oh, yeah. It depends on what you do. It depends on your job. It depends on all these different factors. And so um, those are all things that that need to be taken into account. But in general, I like the way that Jessica's plan is coming. I am going to leave her um, review open 
Um, but there's really going to be no need for a change here. Right. Um, if anything, it'd probably be a slight movement upward as we sort of expand her metabolism. So then if we ever look towards a deficit in the future, we have a little bit more room to work with. Um, other um, than I did have that, another one that you might want to talk about, yeah. um, Paul, just because of talking about your stress level and fat loss phases. Um, Tori is a great example. She's, if you want to look her up, I just did her review today. Um, but she had her weight goal range um, and her stress level is just too much. Like she's gone a solid at least eight weeks now on it. And we were pushing to kind of get to this number. Yeah. 183. But the whole week is I'm, I'm feeling angry, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm stressed out. Well, and you see it, right? You see it in her sleep. You know, her sleep, yeah. 515, 531. Now she does have... You know, she has a job where sleep is always a little bit compromised. So her sleep looks like a lot of people's sleep where it's like five right. hours, five hours, nine hours, 11 hours, you know. Right, um, right. Yeah. And so, so just because we set that weight goal range, she was like a pound shy of that, right? It doesn't mean that we're going to keep you in that. <laughs> no, I mean, struggling. Like, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that, that, it's useful for is that if you're struggling and you're trying to get to that goal, I mean, there's basically, you know, one of the best things that, that is just a great barometer. Um, you know, one of the people that I used to read a lot more stuff from, I was just too busy, um, to read a lot of his stuff, but he said something that was really good is a guy by the name of Alan Aragon. And he talked about, plateaus as a signal to you to make a decision right and everyone wants to make the decision to go lower um but what he's saying is that plateaus are a signal to you that something needs to happen and a lot of the times that something that needs to happen is that you move to performance right right because we're not talking about maintenance anymore we're not talking about we're talking about performance because maintenance basically does not tell you that steps are useful, that resistance training is useful, that all these different things can really help you. And when you look at someone struggling dieting, where do they really struggle? Do they struggle in the starve yourself phase or do they struggle as they start adding in food? They struggle oh, when they the start. Back, yeah. yeah, it's always when they're adding the food back in. So, um, but yeah, like, so Tori, as an example, you know, her, um, progress was amazing. You know, and she, she was down you know, over 10 pounds, you know, and, but we set her goal a little bit more aggressive than 10 pounds, but there's still a time where you look at it and go, there's no point in just banging our head against the wall. If resting heart rate is up, if you feel like, you know, poop during workouts, you know, all these different things. Um, Thank you for using that word. I know I said it. I said poop. Um, <laughs> you know that that was like one of Mike Nelson's favorite. You know, Mike Nelson was like talking. Really? I love I love Tori's um, <laughs> her her response on March thirty first. F today. 
Oh, right. I know. Like, <laughs> her, she's so funny. She, her notes are hilarious. All right. So I... Oh, that's that was the other thing I was going to say. So what? I went to get... Um, and we'll end on this note. But I went to get my Mini Cooper. Um, you know, we're at the phase right now. My, my oldest daughter is driving. She actually drove to her boyfriend's the other day that lives in St. Paul. Um how far is that? It's very far. You know, like you go on an interstate and you go on city streets and all this other type like, of stuff. Yeah. The good news was is there's some some high level motivation there, right? Um, yeah. And uh, but she's you know she's very cautious. She's really good with the way that she does things. But my girls are starting to realize that our cars are slowly becoming their cars. Right. And, right. and so um, being able to use our cars is something that we're thinking about as well. And so the Mini Cooper, which was supposed to be my wife's, you know, car initially, um, it, you know, it was a, it was a countryman, I believe it's called. Um, and so it's the bigger one. Um, mm -hmm. and you've, you've driven in it. Um, yeah. it's kind of sporty. Um, yeah, it's super cute. And so you would want to have a stick shift. Um, right. but, but the stick shift is the thing that she does not like near as much. Now she does drive it now a little bit more. A lot of times she'll just drive it to the, to the bus station and then take the bus to downtown for work. Uh -huh. Um, but you know, we are getting our girls acclimated to driving a manual transmission so right. they can use that car as well. And of course, you know, as a teenager, it's a cute little car, you know? Right. Um, and uh, so I bring it in, you know, for an oil change and it's kind of doing this little sputtering thing. And so, you know, you know, there's something. Yeah. There's a flammable goobal that needs to be changed. <laughs> You know, um, and so you go, okay, how much is this flammable Google cost? You know, and, you know, of course I need a flammable Google. How's the car oh going to run without a flammable Google? You know? Oh, my God. And uh, so I, I come in for the, for the oil change, and the guy's like, you also need spark plugs. I was like, okay, you know, spark plugs. And then he's like, right. He's like, oh, and then there's this other thing, you know, it's your valves, you know, uh -huh. so it's kind of a big deal, but maybe doesn't need your full attention right now. I was like, so how much is that going to cost? A thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And so, so I'm like, okay, what do I do? You know, because now all I can think about is Emily being stranded on the side of the road because the Kramikaboogle yeah. is broken, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So clearly we've got to we've got to fix the flammable girl. Yeah. Um that's the thing about when your kids start driving it's it's like you, there's stuff you probably would have been fine with. The flammable you know, girl. Yeah. Just you. Yeah. And so um anyway long story short I go in for an oil change and it cost me $1800. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But um but luckily um you know, we can afford it. And of course you want to make sure, you know, that these cars last, you know, I typically buy yeah. a car, 
Um, more often than not, I pay cash for it. Um, I think in the case of the Mini Cooper, I didn't because it was like a 0% financing type thing. Um, but, you know, I'm a drive it till it dies kind of guy, you know, um, and try to Me get... Me too. Yeah, try and totally. get... Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but um, I think the different ideas, though, in both of our cases. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, how often do you listen to Good Day um, in the dark? What? The song Good, Good Day. Oh, Clean, I love that song. Cleaned up the Dodge, you know. Whatever. I would be playing that. I, if, I, if I had a Dodge Dart, I would be playing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you right now, since you buying a Dodge Dart, I've seen Dodge Dart. They're, they're kind of good looking. I like those cars. You know? It's totally cute. I'm telling you. It's like my little Italian sports car. Okay, now <laughs> you've gone too far. See, you just go too far, Sarah. Every one of my friends who gets in it is like, wow, I like your sports car. I can see how it's sporty. You know, no one's going to mistake it for a Ferrari, though. Yeah. Well, a little bit, just a little bit. Do they? Do, do they go? My hey. boys get in the car and they're like, "Let's go, mom. Let's go, race car driver, mom." Ooh. Tell me. I can't even believe that they let you drive them around when they're better <laughs> drivers than you are. You know. They still are like, we'll be pulling up to a, we pulling up to a stoplight, and they'll be like, "So which way are we going, mom?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I quick flip my turn signal on. So Emily is in, um, you know, so Alice, when she, so she talks through her stuff, you know, kind of as a, as an exercise while we're driving. That's good. And so she'll go signal my intentions. <laughs> um, That's so good. Yeah. And then my other daughter is now the, um, the police in the car. Oh, you that's know? hysterical. So as she's learning all the things. She's like, That's good. automatic fail on your driver's test, Dad. You do not come to a full stop. Um, oh, my gosh. And so yesterday, I then hit her with, wait a second, and let me just think here. Okay, I'm gonna just going to do a little pack math here. Um, we, we talk about pack math because we have a dog. And so sometimes when the dog is, when one of us leaves, the dog does the pack math. It's like, wait a second, where's Alice? You know, so anyway, we're, we're doing pack math. Um, and I said to Emily, I was like, I have a driver's license. Your mother has one. Alice has one. Yet you're the only one that doesn't. And you're the one constantly giving us advice. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I tell my boys that if they applaud for me, I will be likely to turn my turn signal on sooner. If they start applauding for me when they see it go on, yeah, I will turn it on more often. That's sad that you need positive reinforcement for using Listen, your turn. Listen, wherever seat. I can get it, I'm gonna get it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh they my say god. coaches need coaching too. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So when we're getting when we're getting those turnt t-shirts made. I'm turned. <laughs> I am turned. You I read that this morning and I was like, just thank God it's Friday. So, so 
I, in a funny way, used the term turnt. And as a 50-year-old man, um, I was like, okay, I have to see if I use that correctly. And then that's how I came upon the de definition, um, use, uh, or Urban Dictionary. Why don't you just ask your kids? My kids say it all the time. Yeah, but the, like, your kid's explanation would not have been as good as that that definition. Did you read it? No, yeah, it was hysterical. The biggest it was like baller. The of all yeah, of the biggest ballers and the five sensations. senses working together. Leading um, to the ultimate swag or something like ultimate that. Ultimate swag, yeah. All right. So I think we can end on that note. I appreciate everybody being here. Just remember. If you're in a fat loss phase and you're trying to keep an eye on your stress, the two biggest things to look at are going to be your heart rate variability. Uh, well, you, of course, your heart rate variability, but your resting heart rate and your sleep. Those two things affect heart rate variability way more than workouts do. There's so many people yeah. that think, you know, workouts, workouts will not affect that near as much as sleeping four hours a day. Totally. All right, you guys, you have fun and have a great weekend, Sarah, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye now.